Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, the show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, we're uh, we're back. Pastor Rod's going to join us in a minute. He uh, He's got to have his desk just like he likes it, so... You know, he's he's actively, he's taking a picture of the current setup of his podcasting setup so that he can remember what it's like for future episodes. But what if this episode is like our worst one yet? Then you're going to sit there and be like, I, I should change my setup. It's not a superstition. It's it's an optimal placement of desk supplies. That's true. So I have my mic on the right, which kind of leans over to my face, my Bible, paper Bible in the middle, and then I've got my iPad on the left, and then my tea next to that. Is there any area of your life that you don't think about to that level of detail? Because of course, I, I've, I can't I've known think of you for a while. Like that. Well, fair, but I've, I, just, I feel like there's, like even yesterday, you were talking about wanting to cut out some caffeine so that when you have caffeine, you feel the impact more. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. you just, you think to a level of detail about things that I, I find unique. Um, yeah. I don't Not know in a that, bad way. I just, I've never encountered someone who's thought to that level of detail across the board on why you do things. I want, so I make no apology. I want to be the best that I can be for, for what I do. Like I want to serve God the best I can with my work. So, I mean, if I were a mechanic or I don't know, an airplane pilot, I think I would be similarly neurotic about like, I want to do this well. Right. How do I make sure that I'm as safe as I could be as prepared as I can be as thoughtful as I can be? I just, I want to live life well. Yeah. I want to die well. And that's part of it. Part of dying well is living well. So I just, I think about things because I want to do things as best as I can. And also I, you know, I like being comfortable too. There's, I'm sure there's a part of that. Where I'm like, I just like things the way I like things. And I want to figure out what's the best way to like things. <laughs> what's the best way to <laughs> what's have the it? best way to like things. There it is. I want it to be just right. Yeah. Well, hey, if you are on your way to church this morning, or maybe you've already been there, uh, it was a little bit more crowded around because the uh, the national championship for the NCAA Division uh, Two FCS. Uh, this is yeah the FCS language. program. So uh, today is in Frisco, English? the Jackrabbits played the the uh, I think the 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 Bisons the the Bison by Bisons Bison Bison I. What did the What did the Buffalo say to his son when he went to school? Bye, son. Bye, son. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, or no, they're playing Montana. The Grizzlies. Sorry, all you Grizzlies, Grizzlies fans out there. Oh, yeah. See, people are going to send angry emails now. They are. But apparently Frisco is the hotbed for football championships when it comes to them. For the last 25 years, the FCS championship has been played here in Frisco. FCS. Yeah, football championship series. Oh, okay. But it's not like the, it's not the best. There's a, there's a division above that, which is like what? The national, the national championship is football, soccer, yeah, league. Thing. That's it. NFL S. Yep. QR. Yeah. So there's a bunch of people here watching the Jackrabbits play the Grizzlies in the uh, Frisco Soccer Stadium, which is adjacent to our church. I hope those people go to church before the game. That I thought it. about that. I was like, maybe somebody will be visiting, and they'll say, you know what, we're going to go to Compass Bible Church while we're visiting. I mean, I would highly recommend whenever you're out of town, you should go to church. I would agree. You should never, ever, and I mean this, you should never skip church ever. Ever. No. I mean, if you're sick, okay, there's things when it's like you can't go. Right. But all things being equal. I mean, I guess you, you, you pastor PJ, would you, would you, can you think of a reason why it wouldn't make sense to go to church? 
Besides things that, okay, cataclysmic, it's snowing outside, you can't, okay, there's going to be times where we can't go to church physically. Right. Um, is there... Is there any reason why you could think of, oh, we're on vacation. We're not going to go to church. No, but I think that's that's probably pretty common with people. I think people, sure. when they go on vacation, don't often think, yeah, I should go to church. Yeah. Uh, I, I get that. If you're not thinking about it and, and you're someplace on the weekend, like, oh, tomorrow's Sunday. We should, uh, we should go to church. Where do we go? I don't know. There's probably not any good churches nearby or things like that. Right. Or if somebody goes like camping and there's no showers nearby. That's, and thinking, Man, I okay. Kind of, that's an interesting question. Yeah. Should, should families... Should families camp on Sunday? Well, not camp, but should families do any things that would directly prohibit their being able to gather with the the saints on Sunday or Saturday, whatever day of the week where you're going to church? Right, right. I mean, my inclination, my gut is is by rule of thumb, no. I, I think we should plan our family schedules and our vacations and everything else like that to include worship with God's people. Uh, because church is is bigger than just the local body that, of believers that you gather with, right? So you could go to you know ABC Grace Church at you know in Philadelphia. It's or a whatever. weird name for a church, but yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, they probably wouldn't recommend that name. But so I mean, yeah, we wouldn't make a law out of this. We wouldn't right. say like if you're doing this, you're of the devil. Right? Don't ever come to our church. Right? But this is one of those things where we reveal our low view of the church and, and our low view of the bride of Christ, more specifically, as we think about what the church is ontologically. We're showing that we don't think very highly of, of God's people right. when we deliberately schedule things to go against that. Conflict with, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and I think that, that factors into more than just vacations. How many times have we talked about, I'm sure you have as a high school pastor and I have as a college pastor, students making decisions on where to go to college. And one of the questions that we'll often ask is, well, are there any good churches in the area? And so often it's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't look. <laughs> yeah. And, and so decisions like that, or, or somebody's getting ready to move, right? We're going to, oh, we're going to move. We're going to relocate. All the time. We get yeah. this all the time. Well, where, where are you going to go to church when you get there? I don't know, but, but yeah, there's can a good you recommend there. a few churches now right. that, you know, now that we're going, where are you going? Oh, Timbuktu. Right. Can you tell us a good church in Timbuktu? Yeah. ABC Grace Church in yeah, Timbuktu. ABC Grace Church, Philadelphia in Timbuktu. <laughs> and it's funny. Okay. Because people most often assume like, oh, there's a good church everywhere. Right. There's a good Bible teaching church everywhere you go. And sadly, that's just not it's the not, reality. It's not the reality. I mean, for some of us, we've been blessed, thoroughly, generously blessed to have great churches that yeah. we've gone to, but that's not like everywhere. No, it's not. And, uh, and it matters. It, it, it matters. Your, your spiritual intake matters. I mean, you wouldn't go to a place where all you had is McDonald's on every street corner. Like you couldn't do anything but eat McDonald's for the rest of your life. You'd sit there and say, well, that wouldn't be good for me or my awful. family. But sometimes we do that when it comes to thinking about our future with churches. It's like, oh, well, I'll go someplace where all I have spiritually speaking is just McDonald's every other week. And it's, it's not, it's not healthy. It, you, you need a, a strong, robust intake of God's word with churches that are not just all about the preaching, but also about the shepherding. You need pastors that care for you and, and elders that are going to lead well and, and shepherd you. And, and you need community. And, uh, and we need to be thoughtful about those decisions for sure. Or worse, to go on with your analogy here, there's so-called restaurants that are offering so-called food, but really it's poison. Yeah. False yeah. churches, false yeah. teachers. That's dangerous too. Yeah. 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 Don't. Don't eat poison church. Don't. <laughs> uh, so long time ago, I went to this place called Veggie Grill. Have you heard of that place? I have. So I went to Veggie Grill. Yeah. Because I love my wife. And on the menu, I thought, oh, look, there's a chicken option. So she got this thing, there's some fake veggie chicken. thing. I got this chicken option. option, and, and I go to the table. I'm like, oh, this looks really good. And I took a bite out of it. And it just didn't taste right. Like, I, 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 it wasn't quite vomitous. Yeah. I was close. Yeah. And I'm like, what did I just bite in? This isn't good. Yeah. And then I look back at the menu. And you know what I saw? 
it wasn't chicken after all. It was chicken. C-H-I-C-K apostrophe N. Chicken. Yeah. Wasn't even chicken, bro. See, and that's what that's why we have I was trust deceived. issues in the world. <laughs> right. Yeah. I that's feel not like okay. I feel violated after that. Well never been the same. Let's talk about Job. Job feels violated. Job does. Yeah. Job is despairing. Uh yeah, Job 14. <laughs> I, he's he's conflicted though, and and that's going to come out in a, a couple of the situations that we have before us in our reading today and tomorrow. And uh, it's in fact in Job fourteen, I, I titled it "In This Corner Hope and in This Corner Despair." It's it's this wrestling that that Job is having here, where he has this hope in a better future that he still clings to, and yet. Uh, his despair ends up winning out in this chapter as he concludes that really even in death, there's probably still not going to be hope for me. There's not going to be relief for me. Um, in in John 14, he's repeating so many themes that we've already uh, covered and, uh, and, and he's bemoaning these things. But here's an example of the, the wrestling in verse 13. Oh, that you would hide me in Sheol. Sheol, remember, is the grave. That you would conceal me until your wrath be passed. In other words, just, just spend your wrath and then 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 he says this in verse 14, if a man dies, shall he live again? And here's a glimpse into the hope that Job still possesses. All the days of my service, I would wait till my renewal should come. You would call and I would answer you. You would long for the work of your hands for then you would number my steps. You would not keep watch over my sin. My transgression would be sealed up in a bag and you would cover over my iniquity. This is a situation that Job is, I think, longing for, but not expecting to happen. Um, as he goes on to, to talk then after this about just the, the despair that he expects. In verse 21, speaking of the, the dead, he's saying, you know what? His sons come to honor, but he doesn't know it. They're brought low. He perceives it not. He feels only the pain of his own body, and he mourns only for himself. So he's saying even in death, there's not going to be relief to the suffering that I'm enduring right now. He's a conflicted soul. Yeah, I, I resonated with Job in verse 18. The mountains falls and crumbles away. The rock is removed from its place. It's this idea that his hope is eroding. The, yeah. the, the concept that uh, even though he's been a stalwart of the faith, he's, he's a godly man, he feels a natural tendency to say, I, I, I'm struggling to trust. I'm struggling to believe. And this can happen to any single one of us. I guess this is the point here. We're going to weep with those who weep. And right now, Job is in the state of weeping. Now, I guess there's, there's an interesting counseling question here. Is at, one, at one point, do you say, dude, dude, snap out of it. Like, you can't stay here. This is unhelpful. That's a fair question. And I don't think any of his friends have a good answer to that, as you'll find out when God chastises each and every one of them, minus Elihu, about their response to Job. But that is a fair question. Yeah. Uh, Pastor PJ, when do you allow a friend to weep and continue weeping versus saying, dude, you got to, you got to, you got to get out of this place. This is yeah. a bad place. Cause Job's not in a good spot, right? You wouldn't say that he's doing this well, right? He has moments of clarity and helpfulness. And we'll get to one of those awesome moments in chapter 19, where he talks about the resurrection, but overall he, he's, he's really wrestling. Despair is a good word. Despair, depression, wanting to die. When do you shake him out of it? When do you let him have it? Yeah. There, there's no hard and fast rule where you're like, okay, you get a week and then you got to be done and we got to move on. So I think we have to deal with each situation based on its context and the circumstances. Part of this is we have to know the people that we're coming alongside to, to admonish and to, to exhort. And it's a biblical concept, right? Even in, in the New Testament, we're encouraged to, uh, to, to do just that, to admonish the faint hearted to, uh, or, or the, uh, help me out here. Why am I, I'm forgetting the, the passage. Here you go. Romans 12, Romans 14. Uh, thus, uh, we're supposed to encourage the faint hearted, admonish the idol. Minus Thank the, you. Have, and help the weak. Five. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, there's, there's, there's that element there where there's a time for encouragement and then there's the time to, to spur somebody on. Here's the thing. Uh, when, 
our suffering leads to a prolonged period of, of sidelining us from being useful to the Lord, that's when I think we do need to to come alongside a fellow believer and say, okay, look, this this may be the lot that you've dealt and been dealt in life, and I, I I'm I'm sorry for you, and I'm I'm willing to enter into the weeping when you weep, but at the same time. God still wants you to be useful. Like he still has a a role for you to play. He still has work for you to do. You can still be used by him to encourage other people that are going through the same trial, or you can be used to testify to his faithfulness to you that that you've already experienced to this point. I think there is a time where we do need to call somebody off the sidelines to get back in the game because God still can use a believer even in the midst of the heartache and the suffering. Man, what a what a weighty thing to consider doing though when you're talking to someone like that. Man, I only all, all I could do is encourage you to say yes and amen. Man, you better pray. You better pray for yourself and that person. This is one of those knowing the wisdom of God, the spirit of God to say now is the right time for me to push on that. Right. Because that's a I mean that's a tough spot. People have lots of hurts and I mean if Job lost everything, minus his wife, his, right. his children, his livelihood, and even his physical health is I mean, he hasn't slept, so I'm sure that not sleeping creates this weird semi-insane state where he's not even thinking clearly. I mean, just everything's ruined. I could understand why he's feeling that way. So yeah, that's great. That's great counsel. Yeah. And, and the, it should come from a, a position of them knowing that you love them. Right. And that's, that's another important thing too, is, you know, it's, this is not, you're coming alongside the the stranger who just walked into your church. That's like, that's hurting right now. And you're going, come on, get over it. Build Man your bridge. Cry your, cry your river, build your bridge, get over it. No, but it's, it's, you've spent time with them. You do love them. You have shown that love for them. And and hopefully that will come from that position as well. I don't think his friends do a very good job of this. I don't think so either. Yeah. In fact, Eliphaz uh, chapter 15, my title here is Eliphaz the tactless. He, uh, he says some things that may be right and yet he doesn't say them in the right way. And that's a repeated theme again with his friends. Uh, This is not the second cycle that, that we're in the midst of, of, of his friends bringing their counsel, but his charge uh, in verse four is that he believes that, that Job doesn't fear God, but you are doing away with the fear of God and hindering meditation from, from before God for your iniquity teaches your mouth. What an interesting phrase that is. Your sin is, is, is teaching your mouth. It, what to say, in other words, it's, it's evidencing itself in what you, out of you the say. overflow of the heart, the mouth right. speaks. Right. So he's yeah. accusing Job of evil. Yeah. And in verse eight accuses Job of pride and arrogance. Have you listened in the counsel of God and, in do you limit wisdom just to yourself? And so he's, he's calling Job out on that. But then Eliphaz goes on to really describe just kind of generally speaking, especially down in verses 20 through 26, uh, that the wicked get what they deserve. And so his conclusion then is, Job, you must be wicked then. Uh, again, this is something that we've heard before from his friends. There, it's, it's the same song, different verse in so many ways from them. And in verses 27 through 35, then of chapter 15, uh, Eliphaz summarizes some of the judgments the wicked end up in incurring including he references homelessness losing their 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 place of refuge uh, poverty and uh, and then and this one is particularly sharp uh, barrenness um, verses 34 through 35 this is uh, the uh, talk about insensitivity as far as your counsel uh, when he comes to job and he says for the company of the godless is barren and the fire consumes the tents of bribery they conceive trouble and give birth to evil and their womb prepares deceit uh, remember job has lost his children and so for eliphaz to come and say you know what job the wicked they're the ones that are barren and it looks like maybe that's uh Does that that's fit the any description you're familiar with Job? right i don't know who that would be who would that be 
Dude, yeah. the second cycle. So we're in the second cycle, right? right? These guys all talk three times minus Zophar. He only does it twice. But we're in the second cycle. Eliphaz kicks off the, the beginning of the second cycle. Um, he seems to be the oldest and presumably the wisest, which is suspect. But he's kicking off this second cycle. And he's, unlike the first one, there is far less tact here. And the first one, he kind of danced a little bit. He's, he's trying to be gentle, even as he is still being confrontational. Right. And here it appears that he's increasingly less gentle like dude you're not listening so i'm just gonna say it with even greater edginess and sharpness so that you feel the pain of my uh, of my stinging conviction yeah this is hard man he he's clearly getting frustrated with joe and it's ir- ironic in verse five or excuse me nine that's it nope i'm getting closer to the text it says verse eight it's small letters i can't see you small need a numbers. different setup next time i maybe i too <laughs> He says, have you listened to the, in the, have you listened in the council of God? And the reader has, right. we have listened in the council of right. God and Job is innocent. So it's funny because he's bringing up this whole other area that we know of that he doesn't know that we know of. And the irony is meant for the reader to be like, ah, Eliphaz, you're speaking in a way that you don't understand. Yep. Yeah. Well, in Job chapter 16, Job responds and uh, and he's called them worthless physicians. Now he's going to call them miserable comforters. He says that in verse two, uh, miserable comforters are you all. And then he even says in verse four, look, if I were in your shoes, I could speak as you do. If you were in my place, I could join my words together against you and shake my head at you. And so in other words, he's, he's pleading with them even. Hey, will you guys just think about what it must be like to be who I am and be in the shoes that I'm in? Verses 7 through 17, Job recounts much of the suffering that he's gone through. In verse 7, he describes God as having worn him out. Verse 9, he says God has, has torn him in his wrath and even hated him. Uh, these these are the, the feelings that Job is is going through. These are the thoughts that he's entertaining, that, that God hates him even. That's how it appears to him. Verse 11, he's given me up to the ungodly, perhaps the Sabaeans or the Chaldeans, but maybe even more so. about his friends. Yeah. He's talking about his friends. Yeah. For sure. I, yeah. This is a shot back at his friends across the bow as, yep. as saying, God has given me up to the ungodly, you guys. Um, in verse 12, he has made me his target. And so Job is is unpacking just this is the suffering this is what i'm going through and yet uh, look down in, in verse 19 pastor Ed, you mentioned in, in chapter chapter 19 uh, we're going to get some hope of job and here i think we see a little bit of that too in verse 19 he says even now behold my witness is in heaven and he who testifies for me is on high so uh, job is hoping in a vindication to come and we read that and we think yes that's jesus jesus is in heaven jesus is the one that intercedes for us but that that's not in job's mind here job didn't know that he isn't thinking that he's thinking about God. And so there's this paradox here in chapter 16, where on the one hand, he says, God has made me his target. He hates me. But on the other hand, he says, hey, God is my witness in heaven. He testifies for me on high. He knows truly the the character that I have right now. I think Job is, I mean, a lot, a lot like all of us, we, we, we have this mixture. No one is so righteous as to have no foul words come out of their mouth or so unholy as to not have some redeeming truth come out of their mouths. Friends are similar, but I mean, this kind of mixture of, I'm not sure, I, I believe this, but man, I struggle. And man, why do you hate me, God? And yet, yet I'll praise you, slay me, praise you. It's such an interesting revelation of how the inner man works. Yeah. A wise counselor will take note. People are messy. You're messy. I'm messy. We're all, we're all just kind of, 
we're, we're, we're a walking contradiction. We live with this cognitive dissonance. We're struggling to believe the right thing. It's like that father who comes to Jesus. He asks for the healing of his child, and, and he says, if you can heal him, Lord, please heal him. And Jesus says, if you can. Right. And then he says, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Right. That, that's all of us, and that's what Job reminds me of here. I suppose the only takeaway for that, and in, in my heart and yours, is to pray what the psalmist prays. Unite my heart to fear your name. I want mm. all of me to be to belong to all of you. Yeah. I don't want there to be division in my heart. And Job showcases what it looks like in the life of a real Christian. But a real believer isn't content with that. We want to be singly, singularly united to love and fear God. Yep. Yes, we do. Yeah. So make that your prayer, even today, as you anticipate the dawn of a new week. This is Sunday. We, we've got a week in front of us. We don't know what's going to come this week. You may be thrust into a situation of, uh, of Job-like suffering. We pray you won't, but uh, we don't know. But uh, to have that mindset when suffering comes involves cultivating that mindset even now on the, the front end of things. So great way to do that is doing what you're doing, is uh, spending time in God's word, reading his word, storing it up, treasuring it in your heart. And so make sure that you keep reading your Bibles and we will catch you guys again tomorrow. See you then. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Bible Podcast.